Good morning, Medina. Thank you for having me here on your Faith Promise Sunday. Um, I want to start by telling you that there are some very interesting signs in Filipino English. Projected is one such sign. Now, how many of you had something like this going through your head? Click, please. If so, I am sorry you are mistaken. That is not what they are looking for. They were actually looking for this, a high-speed sower. (laughs) Get your minds out of the gutter. Today, we're going to be looking at a sower of a different type. We're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. If you have your Bibles or devices, you can open up to Matthew 13. If not, it will be projected on the screen. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. I'm sorry if you've come this morning looking for good preaching. I am not a preacher, I am a teacher. So if you've, come from a lesson, if you've come for a lesson from the Lord, I might be able to help you out. But since I'm a teacher, I like to ask questions. One of the questions is, if you'll click please, do you have ears? Raise your hand if you have ears. Yes, I think that includes all of us today. We all have ears. That means that this message, this part of scripture was for all of us. Let those who have ears, let them hear. In fact, people who know more about the Bible than I do, more about this passage of scripture than I do, say that of the, there are seven parables in this section of scripture. The first four were for everyone listening. This is one of the first four, right at the beginning of the chapter. And the last three were for those closest to him, like his disciples. If you'll click, please, and click again. I want to give you a little bit of an interesting history about who was there to hear Jesus. This is actually better illustrated in Luke chapter 8. But it's still the parable of the sower. It's just how Luke tells it. Luke gives a little bit of the history about who was there. You see, all of the disciples were there, and this large crowd was gathered all around. But in Luke chapter 8, there are three ladies who are mentioned specifically. The first is Mary Magdalene, who was freed from seven demonic spirits. The second, Johanna, whose name means the Lord gives graciously. And the third, Susanna. Now, whose name is Sue? Any Sue's in here? If you are Sue, I'm jealous. You see, Susanna is mentioned nowhere else in Scripture, only in Luke chapter 8. And what is said about these three ladies, what is inferred first is that Jesus met their need. Now, they are meeting the need of Jesus. Isn't that what we want to do today, church? Don't we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Don't we want to meet his needs? His need is for us to go out into a world that's longing to hear. They just don't realize it. I have gone out in the Philippines. For 17 years, I have been in the Philippines. You are called to go out here in Medina in the surrounding country. 
You are called to go out and serve in places here, just like I'm called to serve in the Philippines. It is not an us, them, it is a we. And as we serve, the world will hear. But first, we had to go, we have to go out. The farmer had a choice. He could have stayed home in his home and never gone out to sow the seed. If that's the case, then the world that was longing to hear would never hear. The seeds would never be sown. And there's something interesting about the farmer. We live in, we live in kind of a farming town. Medina's kind of a farming area, right? Surrounding, surrounding. Yeah, sure. Well, farmers know what they're doing, but this guy seems not to, even though he's called a farmer. He goes out and he's like, oh yeah, let's scatter seed here. The ground is hard. Or let's scatter seed here. The birds are going to come and eat it up. The thorns are going to come and choke out the plants. The farmer knew all this, yet he planted, he sowed seed anyway. You see, I don't think Jesus was talking as much about the farmer here as he was talking to us. You see, we are not called to make a judgment on where we sow seed. We are not called to make a judgment to say, well, this person's an atheist. They're never going to understand the gospel. Or this person's a homosexual. Or this person's too critical. We are not called to make a judgment. We are called to sow seed. As we do that, the world will hear. Today, we're going to look at sowing seed. Sow stands for an acrostic that I'm going to be talking about. The S is for sphere of influence, the O for others, and W for the world. First of all, let's take a look at our sphere of influence. I'm going to share about mine, and then I'll ask you about yours. These are my sphere of influence. 150 students, 120 are what's in middle school every year. I'm there as the middle school counselor at Faith Academy, serving missionary kids and also Filipinos. Um, And as I minister in their lives, I am sowing seed. Sometimes I sow seed in counseling as a student comes in and they need to be counseled. Sometimes I am kneeling beside them, planting mangrove trees. Sometimes it's scuba diving. Sometimes it's in the science classroom. Of all different sorts of ways that I can minister, the primary way that I love to sow seed is when I can pray for the students and have discipleship group with them. Some of these students I have sowed seed in lots and some not as much. But as we are gathered at Faith Academy, seed is sown daily in the lives of every student. That is my sphere of influence. My question to you is, what is your sphere of influence? Go ahead and click, please. And click again. When I talk about your sphere of influence, I'm talking about people that you run into or meet every day or that you're with every day. So this could be unsaved family members living with you. It could be that you're called to be part of the music team. Thank you very much for the music today. It was wonderful. Maybe you're called to teach a Sunday school class. Maybe you're called to your neighbor's. But someplace you are called to sow seed. Maybe it's your coworkers. Just like I am called to sow seed in the Manila, Philippines, you are called to sow seed here in Medina. And where is the Lord calling you? Where has the Lord called you to sow that seed? Just outside of your sphere of influence, there is others. Others are the group, again, just outside. So, As I'm talking about others, you think about where your others could be as well. I have two stories from others. The first comes from Takloban. 
Tacloban was one of the cities devastated when Typhoon Yolanda came through and ravaged seven islands in the Philippines, seven entire islands flattened. They wouldn't let me go right away because it was atrocious to be there, though the Church of the Nazarene was one of the primary responders. We were one of the first, us in the Catholic Church, which makes sense because I live in a Catholic country. We were the two to be first in Tacloban to minister, to get water to them, to get food to them, to get them shelter. I wasn't able to go until about eight months later. And I was able to go with Liz Hanschild. If you'll click, please. Liz Hanschild was a student of mine at Faith Academy. She was in college at NNU, and she felt that she needed to respond to the need in the Philippines. She came for three months to minister at... Um, at Tacloban and Ormoc, which I'll talk a little bit about later. I was able to meet with her for a week and do intensive ministry. What we were called to do while we were there is we brought in guitars so we could share music. Music is a big emphasis in the Philippines. We taught them songs, Christian songs, courses, and of course they had their Philippine music too. We took games to them so the kids could play games, so the adults could play games. We took athletic equipment, volleyballs, volleyball net, basketball, basketball hoops, everything that they might need to pass time because there was nothing left. When I say that the city was devastated, people lost everything. They lost their jobs. They lost their their family members, some of them. They lost their homes. They lost the place where they go to the grocery store. They lost absolutely everything. Some of them even lost their hope, which was devastating. And what our ministry was to go in and sow seeds of hope. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I did in all those activities, in the feeding times, in every time we got together, able to minister to them. There was a family there that was, did not come to our ministries. As I was walking through the community, inviting people, I ran into this family. And it was a grandmother and a grandfather, two adult children and two grandchildren. The grandmother opened up to me. She had heavy needs on her heart. You see, her husband was suffering from dementia. And since everything, absolutely everything that he knew beforehand was gone, it was settling very quickly, very fast. And she had no um, medication, nothing to help him. She said, could you please do something about that? She also asked me about um, getting a tricycle for her adult child. And you might think, tricycle, this is another one of those sewer things. A tricycle is a motorcycle in a sidecar or a bicycle in a sidecar. And he was the moneymaker of his family by taking people from place to place in his sidecar. And there was no money coming in because there was no tricycle. So they wanted a tricycle. They weren't into wanting things of the Lord. And I was moved by, with passion for this family. I wanted to do something for them. And I asked the Lord, what can I do? And I was thinking, let's sow a seed. Let's sow a financial seed. And the Lord said, no. You see, sometimes in obedience, the answer is no. But the Lord has something greater for us when, that answer, when the answer is no. So I... Asked the Lord, what can I do? I need to do something. I need to sow a seed of some kind. And he said, pray. I believe prayer is the most important of anything that we can do for missions. 
And I prayed for that family, and I prayed for that family, and I pray today for that family. I believe the Lord will give me a release when the things have been answered for them. I'm sure they're still in that little house, the 64-foot square house, no plumbing, no electricity. I'm, still, I'm sure that they're still living there, waiting for something to happen. This was one of my others. Another other was Ormoak First Church, if you'll click, please. Ormoak First Church of the Nazarene. Ormoak was another city that was devastated by Typhoon Yolanda. Now, Ormoak Church of the Nazarene, if you're sitting in the pastors up here, I don't know how anybody ever looks at the pastor because there is deep blue sea and white sand beach out the left-hand window. Who knows how he ever gets anybody to look at him. Well, it's great to have your, your church right on a beach unless the flood surge comes in, the tidal surge comes in with the typhoon and totally wipes out the church. But we are a global church of the Nazarene and in response through, through funds given through the global church, that church of the Nazarene has been rebuilt. And they had money, extra money, so they built a bigger church. They have this extra space. Now, this is not just the ordinary church. They have a great vision for this extra space. They want to start a school. Now, that makes my heart go pitter-patter. To use education to reach the lost, I am totally into that. That's what I've gone to school for. That's why I'm at Faith Academy, to help to reach the lost through education. They want to build a school or they want to use that for a school. I found out about this and I said, oh Lord, what can I do? And he said, give them 10,000 US dollars. And I said, I don't have 10,000 US dollars. He said, haven't I provided? Yes, you have always provided for me. And yes, you will provide. That was about a, a little over a year ago. And to date, there's 5,400 US dollars who have come, that have come in. And, I, and that has gone through to guitars, to food, to... Um, cooking utensils for the food. It's gone to 300 book bags for kids with everything that they would need to start school in the public school until the school gets started. There were 100 book bags for teachers because they lost everything too. And so on and so forth, the money goes out as the need is there. And I know that remaining money will come in and help me meet the need of Ormoak First Church of the Nazarene as they start the school when they need desks when they need to pay their teacher's salary, when the next step is happening, I know the money will come in. Ormoak First Church of the Nazarene, one of my others. Another other is called Threads of Hope. Threads of Hope is a ministry located in Mindoro, Philippines. Mindoro is the third largest island of the Philippines. It is an island of beautiful white sand beaches, and you might think that's the only place I spend my time, but that's not quite the case. <laughs> I had a friend who was walking along the beach in Mindoro, and he saw something very interesting. He saw kids selling bracelets made from embroidery thread. He says, oh, that's neat. That's how the, the family's making money. That works very well for them. And as he continued along the beach, he saw something much more sinister. He saw adults selling their children into childhood prostitution. And he said, that can't be, that shouldn't be, what can I do? And the ministry for Threads of Hope was started, a ministry sowing hope to, over, to 700 individuals by the sale of bracelets. These are my others. I actually have Threads of Hope on my table. It's time for a commercial break. 
$2 each, $1, the entire dollar will go to Oromoke First Church of the Nazarene. $1, the entire dollar, will go to the people of Mindoro and Threads of Hope. If that's something that interests you, just see me at the table afterwards. Commercial over. Come back from getting your drinks. So who are your others? Who are your others? You know, when I heard about Love Medina, I thought that's a perfect other. You have the opportunity later this week to sow in others, to do Love Medina. Those are people you don't interact with all the time, but they're people that you know have a need that you can meet. That's, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the town well enough to know other others that could be out there. Rehabilitation centers, nursing homes, over and over again. These are just outside of your sphere of influence. Maybe the homeless. Who do you have that you can sow seed in outside of your daily influence? Who's next? And beyond others, we have the world. Now, I can tell you a lot of things about how the Lord has opened doors for me to minister in the world. There has been softball in Thailand. There has been um, teaching English in Korea, teaching computer in Papua New Guinea. Very soon, I'm going to be able to go to creative access country and teach missiology. When our hearts are open to what the Lord would have us do, he lets us know what we can do for him. He lets us know how we can sow seed. I'm not compelled to talk about those events. I'm compelled to talk about Faith Academy. And one of the things Faith Academy is doing is a committee that's just just started. And there is a large creative access country very near the Philippines. And this large creative access country doesn't have adequate education for pastors' kids. Of course, the pastors can't be pastors in that country. And so we had the face of that come to us. Sitting in my counseling office, I had a man in tears, just sobbing, saying, you have to help me. There's no way I can educate my child. You see, I can't send him to public education. We move too often, too frequently to stay away from the police. I can't put him in an international school. It's way too expensive for me. I can't homeschool him. That's not something that they do in my country. There's nowhere for me to go. Faith Academy has to do something. Can you please help? I was moved with compassion on this gentleman. And I know that I couldn't make the decision by myself. I went to my principal and I pled his case. And we had 16-year-old Joseph in eighth grade last year at Faith Academy. He took four English classes to try and bring his English up to snuff. He, he came alone. He suffered through the hardship of being in a new country, of not knowing the language very well. But as I sowed seed in him, I saw him develop and blossom into a fine young man who is today, this year, in grade nine, with one other student from that country. We are looking for a coordinator that ha- can speak both languages, English and this primary language of this country so that we can start a large program where they would be totally enveloped in English through the middle school years so that they would be able to study in high school. It's an intensive English program at middle school. With the hope that these kids will return to their home country and be more evangelicals living there. The evangelical theirs are busting out at the seams anyway, but we can send more, or maybe they'll be missionaries from that country. Who knows? But I want to talk most about my initial call. 
When the Lord called me when I was 27 years old, he made it clear that I was supposed to serve the church of tomorrow, minister in the church of tomorrow, sow seed in the church of tomorrow. However you want to see it, that's what I was supposed to do. And you know something? I've been there 17 years, so guess what happens? The church of tomorrow becomes today. So I'd like to share with you a little bit about the teens that I invested in, the teens that I sowed seed in when they were 11, 12, 13, 14. What are they doing now, 17 years later, 10 years later? The first one, if you'll click, please. The first one's in the middle of this picture. His name is Ben. He's actually a senior in high school here. In middle school, he was a quiet guy. He loved basketball, but he was compelled to do the things of the Lord. He always sought to, to please the Lord in all of his interactions. He was an A-B student, but you thought the Lord will probably do something with him. He's that kind of kid. And today, if you'll click, please, this is Ben as an adult. Ben with his wife and child have been called to minister along the Amazon River to the tribes who have yet to hear the gospel. He'll be going with New Tribes Missions, and um, he's very at, he's toward the end of his fundraising stage, and so he'll be living in Brazil, Colombia, Peru, one of those countries at the tail end of the Amazon. There's Carl in the upper left-hand corner there. Carl in middle school was a special needs kid. What can God do with a special needs kid? What can God do with any of us? If our hearts are yielded to him, God can do fabulous things. So Carl today lives, uh, if you'll click, please. There he is. He lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he, I had him for science and his father came to me and he said, Dee, thank you so much for what you did in science. Today, this, what this kid is doing, he's taking the truth of scripture and the truth of science and he's integrating them together and teaching the kids at his church how God is our creator God and how nature orchestrates what Jesus wants to, or what Jesus did for us. Then there's Liz, if you'll click. I told you a little bit about Liz. She went to Tacloban and, and was there for three months. Liz is at NNU, Northwest Nazarene University. She is finishing on May 6th, May 7th. She'll be graduating with an education degree. She has married a pastor, and together they'll go to NTS with the hope of doing strategic missions after NTS. And then there's Josie. Click, please. Here's Josie's little girl. I met Josie in grade six, my very first year at Faith Academy. She holds a very good place in my heart now. But I have to tell you, in grade six, she wasn't the, the child you really want in your class, if I could share that just privately. She didn't like that my expectations were very high, and she failed to do them. I worked with her. I worked with her parents. We clashed through all of grade six. Sometimes when you're sowing seed, it's on hard soil. And I continued to sow seed through grade six. Grade seven, I had her for computer. Grade nine to 12, I coached her in volleyball. Throughout our relationship, we learned to respect each other, and then we learned to love each other. Josie ran into some hardships after she graduated from high school, and she kind of went off on her own. She returned to the Philippines to try and get her feet, her spiritual feet back under her. And, well, I'll let her tell you the story. 
My name is Josie Long and I'm 28 years old and I play the mom role for 40 girls here in Manila, Philippines. And I remember looking my dad in the eye and saying, Dad, I'm here for one year. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be a missionary. I'm not here to serve people. I just really want to fix my life um, and get, get back on track. So in 2010, um, what, what was supposed to be the end of my time in the Philippines ended up being really the beginning um, of, of probably the rest of my life. So that fear of inadequacy in my heart just turned into this desire to do this with these girls. I said yes, and I took that first step of faith um, towards starting this home, not having any idea what I was doing. And um, I really feel like God just put me in a chair and said, okay, Josie, now thank you for your obedience, or it's about time you obey. <laughs> I don't know, but um, sat me down and just, and I just watched miracle after miracle performed in front of me. Uh, Four years later, I, I now have uh, 40 girls that I'm taking care of, and um, it's, it's an incredible ride. My youngest is six, and my oldest is 21. I have 10 that are in elementary, 17 that are in high school, and another 13 that are at college levels now. And they have each other, and they understand each other in that sense. Uh, we do believe in education uh, as a huge key part um, for a child's life. Um, so a typical day in, in the life of this home uh, and this family is um, waking up usually around 4.30 or 5. And then uh, usually they're all out the door by about 6.30 and um, going there several different ways as you can imagine with so many in college now and um, with uh, basketball and volleyball and other sports being a huge part of um, the girls' activities. Uh, there's a lot of extra curricular activities that they're involved in. And then usually by 7 when we're complete we'll sit down as a family every night and um, have our devotions and just family time. It's just a time where we can kind of laugh or cry, um, be frustrated, uh, just be open and honest with each other. By 9 um, we try and start heading, uh, helping the girls back into bed. Um, a lot of trauma hits at night time and um, and it can, it, it, they can be long nights as well. Most of my girls come from sexually abusive backgrounds. My goal is to empower these girls and help them know that they're worthy. That um, the pain that they've gone through is not, is not supposed to happen. And um, that they have a Heavenly Father that loves them so much. Go ahead. My name is Ella and I am 21 years old. I'm a big sister to 39 beautiful girls is known as the Jazz Home. I met Josie Long, an American, American missionary who had the passion to serve Christ with all of her heart. She asked me if I was hungry and I said yes. She treated me in McDonald's and I shared my life story with her. I trusted her because I felt like she loved me and she really cared for me. This home protects us from outsiders and those who hurt us. This home was where I got to meet Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I dedicated my life to Him on April 3, 2012. It's, it's a lot of fun. It brings me so much joy to, to be the mother to these 40 girls. Um, and, and yes, it is difficult, um, but, I, but I love the task that God's called me to. Uh, 
something that something that is a little more difficult is just prov is providing for them. I uh, something that I love um, hearing my dad say, uh, and you kind of have to know him to really understand what he means by this, probably. But he says, "Take that first step of of faith. Um, say yes." and God will kind of shove you out of the way and take care of everything for you. Josie, the mother of 44 girls from age 3 to 21, as a 28-year-old. You see, these are lives in which I was able to sow seed. Many of us think that when we sow an apple seed that the product of that apple seed is an apple, an apple tree becomes an apple, produces the apples. But that isn't really the case. That isn't the final product. That isn't what God designed the trees for. You see, he designed those apples to be dropped and those seeds to be spread so that other apple trees would develop. I've shared some students in which I've sown in their childhood, in their teenage years, apple trees today sowing seed. And what can the Lord do with that? You see, we start with something small and the Lord does something big. How are you impacting your world? If you'll click, please. How can the Lord use you in the world? Today, we're gathered for World Evangelism Fund to raise World Evangelism Fund, to raise awareness of what God is doing in the world and how you can be a part of that because we are a global church. I cannot do what I do unless you do what you do in the World Evangelism Fund and other ways of giving, alabaster, so on and so forth. As the Lord talks to you, listen and be motivated by his Holy Spirit to respond how he would have you respond. There are a lot of ways you can be involved in the world. World evangelism is just one way. You can do a work and witness trip. You can be a prayer partner with me. Sign up at the back, another commercial, sorry. You can... Partner with somebody else. I don't have a square on the market, a corner on the market. Something that you're interested in, partner, pray, be a prayer partner with them. It's only the, the prayers of God's people that keep us on the field. Today, we're here for Faith Promise. If you'll click, please. Faith Promise is not just a pledge. Somebody's not going to keep calling you and going, you pledge this much. Are you going to give it to us? That's not going to happen. It is a commitment it's a commitment between you and God that I believe that, God, you will provide me with these funds that I will be able to give them. It is a commitment between you and God. And it starts with faith. So it's not one of those commitments that you go through, okay, at the end of the month, I still have, I'll be able to give that away. It's a prayerful consideration to what the Holy Spirit would lead you to give and then the belief that he will provide it for you. If you'll click, please. And this has been covered already, so I won't cover it again. It goes to the World Evangelism Fund. It keeps missionaries like me on the field. It does lots of other things, but my ministry couldn't be possible without the World Evangelism Fund in place. This has to happen. Click, please. Um, your giving can be spread out however you want it to be spread out, but by the end of the year, you want to try to give what you, what you have committed to give. So you can give it annually. You can give it by month. You can give it by week, whatever is easiest for you. And finally, click again. Whoops. It's five and a half percent. It can stay there. It's five and a half percent of the, of what your uh, church 
has in a year. So yours is about 8,500 US dollars. That's your goal for the church. So see what you can do to be part of that goal. Going back to the scripture that I shared at the beginning, this is not a prosperity thing that I'm, I'm going to be saying. This is an obedience thing. You see, ours is about obedience and God's is, God's is about provision. Yours is about obedience to write the number that the Holy Spirit would tell you. God is about provision of getting it to you to get to the church. You see, when we're ministering, we have an opportunity to see 30 times, if you'll click please, 30 times what we've sown. That's what scripture says. You can see 30 times what you sow. That's prayer on our part. That's doing on our part, but that's God's provision. 30 times what you sow, can ha- you can have back. Or if you're getting 30, you can have 60. If you're getting 60, you can have 100. This isn't prosperity gospel. This is Alex in life. That's all right. Alex in life getting 100, 700 times back. He was helping one person with $100 with his first gift for Threads of Hope. And now 700 people. That's 700 times his initial investment. 700 people are being helped. Josie, right around the 30, 44, 44 people are being helped. Where are you seeing your returns? Are you seeing 30, 60, 100 return? Ecclesiastes says, 11.6 says, So you're seen in the morning and at evening, let, let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or both will do equally well. I began by asking if you had ears. Well, that was kind of a silly thing. Jesus wasn't talking about physical ears. He was talking about spiritual ears. Those of us who have developed spiritual ears will be compelled, as I am, to sow not only in your sphere of influence, but also to others, and then to the world through a World Evangelism Fund. May those who have ears hear what the Holy Spirit has spoken today. Thank you very much. 